Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 15 uh, through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. As you're opening up there, I want to encourage you all to be back here next Sunday. I'd like to do that every week, but uh, especially uh, next Sunday, Dr. Albert Moeller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, will be preaching here Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, we'll be kicking off the School of the Prophets that we're hosting here at First Baptist Church. you got information about that there in the chimes, but just know uh, it's a big deal to have these great preachers here in Etowah County, and it's a big deal that we're getting to host uh, this conference. So my hope and my prayer is that y'all will turn out uh, for this. Dr. Moeller was the president of the seminary I attended. I got to intern in his office, and so I hope. Uh, it's been kind of a year of folks who have invested and influenced my life preaching here been a neat thing for me to get to see Clint earlier this year and then Dr. York earlier this summer and then Dr. Moeller is coming next Sunday. So I hope y'all will plan on being here. If you have your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 21, do me a favor and stand out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray together. God, would you open our hearts and minds today? to receive your word. And God, we pray that we would leave here changed by the power of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm not sure that there's anything that's broken my heart as a, as a minister and just as a young Christian over the years. I'm not sure there's anything that's broken my heart quite like watching Christians fight over worship. I understand there's going to be disagreements in the Lord's church. It's been that, that case since uh, the first century, since there's been a church. We've, we're a bunch of sinners who have gotten together and tried to do something together. And if you've been married any amount of time, you know when sinners get together and try to do something together, there's going to be a fight every now and again. It's going to be a disagreement every once in a while. Even if it's like my household and there's only one sinner. That's me, just so that's clear, you know. But nothing has broken my heart. Like, throughout the course of my lifetime, watching what they call the worship wars. I've seen about all I want to see of it, and I thank God for the fact that we've got such unity here at our church, and we're not fighting over those things at this juncture in our church. But, brothers and sisters, I've seen good and godly Christians act so poorly, so ungodly, over how we're going to praise Jesus together. A funny thing to fight over. 
You see, I've always been so frustrated by it because biblically, worship is more about our own hearts than anything else. Worship's about our own hearts more than anything else. We, we do have a biblical hymn book. It's the Psalms. And I find it really interesting and, and really providential that it, it didn't come with any notes. It, it didn't come with any direct prescription on, on how you ought to sing it. And so we could have an erudite music minister leading it in a beautiful, leading a psalm in a really beautiful way, and we could have a long-haired hippie playing the guitar and leading, leading the hymn from the psalms. And, and both, I think, are okay, just so that's clear. I like erudite music ministers for obvious reasons, and I also like long-haired hippies. But, but I'm okay with the fact that our erudite minister, music minister is not a long-haired hippie. I'm fine with that. Nor will he ever be. <laughs> a hippie. <laughs> I've seen such good, godly Christians act so poorly over this. And I've learned in my life and my tenure as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ that if we'll focus on our own hearts, if we'll focus on the heart of worship, the biblical focus of worship, which is our own hearts, that we would find ourselves shocked, surprised, how many different types of worship would, quote, feed us or speak to our hearts. We, we might even begin to totally change the way we evaluate our time together on Sunday mornings. You know, think about how we talk at lunch. I just wasn't really my cup of tea that day. Just weren't really my songs that day. I, I might argue, I've heard it said by another pastor one time, that perhaps the greatest opportunity you have for worship are during the moments in the songs that you like the least. That you like the least, because it's an opportunity to count others as better than yourself, and it's an opportunity to focus more on God than whether you like something or not. Th th this morning, I, I want to point you toward four points that are going to help you understand what it takes and what it means to have a worshipful heart before the Lord. And I know, Nathan and I have talked about this for hours and hours and hours. And this is his heart and my heart. It's our staff's heart. That we believe that having a worshipful heart, that focusing on your heart and walking in worship before the Lord all week long will transform your everyday life, will transform your walk with Christ, and will transform, I believe, your Sunday morning worship experience, your corporate worship with the people of God. And so I want to show you four points this morning about having a worshipful heart before the Lord. Here's the first point. Worshipful hearts walk wisely. Worshipful hearts walk wisely. It's a nice tongue twister for those of you who are into that sort of thing. Take that home and practice it this week, ten times fast. Worshipful hearts walk wisely. Let's look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I, I, we're going to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 a little bit as we look at this passage today because I think they parallel one another in so many ways because they both deal with what it means to walk daily with Christ and what it means to walk in wisdom. And they both connect walking in wisdom with the very will of God. They both do this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and this passage here in Ephesians are parallels in so many ways. 
And so here we're going to see the Apostle Paul connecting worship and walking in wisdom and the will of God together in really clear ways. And so we lead off by saying that a worshipful heart is one that walks wisely, that having worship in our hearts and worshiping God and living before God helps us walk in the world with wisdom. I really think, I really think that the want of the day, the need of the hour is wisdom among the Lord's people. Wisdom for leaders around us. Wisdom for different people. You, you will hear me so regularly pray for wisdom. I pray for wisdom. If I'm asked to pray at a committee meeting, I pray for wisdom. If I stand, at, how many of you have ever had me stand there with you before you had surgery or had an operation or something? What do I pray every time? God, would you give these doctors wisdom? Staff meeting, we regularly pray. God, give us wisdom. I, I regularly talk to Whitney when I feel like I've got an issue I need to deal with in the church, and I say, I, I wish that I, I hope God will give me the wisdom to handle this appropriately. We need to be wise. And so often what we do is we divorce our sort of spiritual life, our devotion to God, our piety before the Lord. We, we tend to want to divorce that side of things from, from the wisdom of walking in life, just being wise and doing the right thing. We, we sometimes even want to pit them against each other as if faith and wisdom are, are opposites, but that's not the case at all. To walk with the Lord, to worship the Lord, we must have faith in the Lord. And to walk in the Lord and have a worshipful heart before the Lord, we must walk in wisdom. You see, wisdom walks carefully. Wisdom walks carefully. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. I've got a tendency to get off in my own little world. Any y'all ever seen me zone out? I'm a professional. I mean, I can really just go off into another world and, and leave this one behind for a while. I get uh, caught up, not into the third heaven, but into the, just my own mind. And, uh, and so sometimes Whitney accuses me of starting conversations with her halfway through the conversation. Because I've already been having it with myself for a while. And make of that what you want, I don't know. Some of y'all probably psychoanalyze me every week. That's your right. Because I, 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 I submit you to this sort of torture every week. So the least you can do is get some entertainment out of it by figuring out what all is wrong with my brain. I understand. But I, I sometimes do that. And sometimes it is in a bad time, at a bad time. And, and sometimes it's when I'm walking around somewhere. Oftentimes it's when I'm driving. Now, I don't disobey the rules of the, the road. Don't, don't mishear me. But I cannot begin to tell you how many times in my life I've turned right on 5th Street or 6th Street when I was going somewhere totally different because I go into autopilot and come to the church. If I'm ever lost, just know somehow or another I'm going to find my way back to First Baptist Church. It's where I go. It's like when you lose a dog. He's going to show back up at some point when he gets hungry. And so here I come back to First Baptist. I just turn here all the time. But the reality is, you know, you can slip off into a trance when you're sitting in your chair at home. You can do that. But, you know, it, I've been in cities before, and I've kind of slipped off into a trance and not thought like I needed to in, in pedestrian environments where there are also cars. And, and sometimes I've almost gotten myself in trouble because the, the world's not neutral. 
There's dangers out there. There, there are things. And so the Bible is telling us we must walk with wisdom. We must be careful how we walk because the world isn't neutral. If we're not careful with how we walk, if we're not wise with how we walk, we will find ourselves in trouble. We are not bent. We are not bent toward godliness. Seven years ago this summer, we moved here to Gadsden, and Whitney had a Jeep Liberty. And uh, by the time we rolled into Gadsden, Alabama, that thing was begging to be traded. It needed to go. There's a picture of me. I was in there by myself with two cats, and the air conditioner went out on the way here. There's no cruise control, and the thing pulled right all the time. So I fought that Jeep Liberty from Louisville, Kentucky, right here to Gadsden, Alabama, seven years ago. Y'all didn't know the sacrifices I made to get here, but here, here I am. And the thing was hot, and there's oil burning in there, it stunk, there's cats hollering in the back seat, wanting to get out, everybody wanted out. But that thing, man, I'm not kidding you, you had to fight it to keep it on the road. I mean, you really had to work to keep that bad boy on the road. And that's what we're like. If we're not careful with how we walk. You know, for me, I would look down, I'm either going 100 or 50, because I didn't have cruise control. You know, I'd slip off in the days, I'm over in the median, I'm, I've just got all kinds of issues, I'm trying to fight this Jeep the whole way here. We have to be careful how we walk, we have to be wise, because the world isn't neutral. We're bent toward ungodliness, we have to be careful how we walk. Wisdom walks carefully, and wisdom understands time. Time isn't neutral. How we spend our time isn't neutral. We're either using our time in positive ways or negative ways, but the Bible says that the times, the days, are evil. We have to be careful not to walk into wickedness. Foolishness ignores what God would have us do, but wisdom embraces God's will. We see that in verse 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that God's will is what is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight. In other words, if we're going to have worshipful hearts, we must walk wisely. We must walk regularly in worship. Worshipful hearts walk wisely. But second of all, worshipful hearts are filled with the Spirit. Worshipful hearts are filled with the Spirit. Notice what Paul says in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul opens up this discussion of being filled with the Spirit with a, a contrast with drunkenness and, and debauchery, which is sort of a regular practice of drunkenness. And I don't think Paul's just choosing to highlight a particular sin here. I think it's a sin to be drunk, and not just on wine, mind you. You know, that wouldn't be a good excuse. Don't get drunk on wine. Well, it was on something else. You know, I think it's okay. No, 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 all drunkenness. It all counts. But what does drunkenness do to us? What, is, what does debauchery do over time to someone? Well, it separates their mind and their body over time. You just kind of lose control of your faculties. You don't have good judgment. Debauchery tends to set, set one's life on a bad trajectory. It sends you in a, in a, in a bad direction. We, we've, we all have known people over the years with a, with a problem with this sort of thing. and you, It makes you sad. It makes you worried for them. Because what's in control of their life? It, it, it's, it's alcohol. They're, they're giving totally into their passions in that sense. 
So Paul highlights that, I think, not just to, just, just to bring up drunkenness. I, I don't get the feeling from the rest of Ephesians it's a sin that's a particular issue in the book of Ephesians. I, I think it is a particular issue in some other places, and the, and the way Paul deals with it here is different than the way he deals with it there. I think he's, he's introducing this idea of drunkenness to us intentionally as a foil, as a contrast to help us understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's an interesting way to do that, but I, I think it's exactly what he's doing. When, when the Spirit fills us, it renews our heart. You see, the, the Spirit illuminates the Scriptures for us, and it changes our heart over time. And instead of our mind and our body being divorced, it actually gives us a greater control over the passions in our bodies. The, the, the desires we have, the evil and wicked desires we have. Drunkenness is going to tend to make us want to give in to those things, whereas the Holy Spirit gives us control over those things. It grants us, when the Holy Spirit fills us, He grants us the ability to judge wisely. When we're filled with the Spirit, we are able to walk with wisdom that we might not otherwise have without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit fills us with good fruit. Instead of setting our lives on a bad trajectory, sending us down paths we thought we'd never go down, instead of sending us in those directions we don't need to go, it fills us with good fruit, peace, patience, kindness, love, self-control. These things are the fruit of the Spirit, and against such things there is no law. It sets us in a good direction. I appeal to you, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here Paul is showing us what it looks like to be transformed in spiritual worship. Now, I really think this is part of what Paul means here is he's connecting the work of the Holy Spirit and our worship to our walking in wisdom and our walking with God. And brothers and sisters, worshipful hearts are filled with the Spirit. That leads us to our, our third point this morning. It's this. Worshipful hearts overflow corporately. Worshipful hearts overflow corporately. That word corporately means with the body, among the body. It means Sunday morning worship. You see, I, I believe this with all my heart. I think when we're walking wisely during the week, we're walking with the Lord, our minds and hearts are being transformed by the Word. And, and, and I think that when we're filled with the Spirit, which is our everyday reasonable act of spiritual worship, as Christ is transforming our hearts on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think something amazing happens on Sunday. I think those hearts that are filled with the Spirit and those hearts that have been worshiping all week, those hearts that have been walking wisely, I think they begin to overflow on the Lord's Day. I, I, I think Lord's Day worship is transformed by everyday worship. What does the Bible teach us here in verse 19? Be filled with the Spirit, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I, I think there are three elements to Lord's Day worship. Three elements to Lord's Day worship. First of all, there's a horizontal element. We're called to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to who? 
to one another. To one another. Now listen, I'm not one to badmouth people who have more modern expressions of worship. I'm not against those things. In fact, I, if people want to celebrate and praise Jesus, I think that's wonderful. But I think one of the things that my generation has missed about worship, the way we talk about it, the way we phrase it, the way we look at it, the way we design our worship spaces in modern times, tend to focus on worship as an individual experience between you and the Lord. It's just me and Jesus there. And listen, that's an important part of worship, right? We make melody to the Lord with our hearts. There's no question there is a vertical element that we'll look at here in just a moment. But there's also a horizontal element in the Lord's church. That's why your voice is the most important instrument here. Because you are not just making melody with your, in your heart to the Lord. We are addressing, admonishing, singing to one another, letting truth reverberate throughout the walls as we come together. We are worshiping together. That's the reason why older worship spaces have light on the congregation and not just on the stage. It's because we are focused here as a body, singing not only to God. We're not just in a dark cave, just focusing with our eyes closed on the Lord. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But we also want to make sure that we've got an eye and a thought and a mind toward those around us as well. There's a horizontal element to Lord's Day worship. But there's also, and don't miss it, a vertical element And it is undoubtedly the most important element, the most important person you have to please here every Sunday is God. And so often I'm afraid that we're so worried about what we're getting that we're not focused on what we're giving to each other and to the Lord. There is a vertical element. What does he say in verse 19? We address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. So we're addressing one another, and, and I think psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody with our heart, I think these are all describing one singular experience. There's variegation in what we do. We sing different sorts. There's no, no one kind of song you can sing. There's no one type of song you can sing. There's no one situation where you can sing. No, we are here together addressing one another, and then from our own hearts, we are singing to God. There's a vertical element, but then also there's obviously an inward element to Lord's Day worship. You're singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. I, I, I went to a Baptist college and I went to seminary and something I've learned over the years is it's easy to look like you're honoring God. Let me, re, let me rephrase that. I've been, lived with myself long enough to know. It's easy to look like you're honoring and worshiping God. It's easy to put on a show, but that little phrase changes everything. With your heart. That's why I don't get real worked up about superficial stuff. Some some preachers want to get everybody hollering and clapping and dancing. Man, praise God for folks that like to do that. That's great. Some some pastors want to get real, real frustrated when people do that want everything to be stern and stoic and everything else. But you know what? How you express what's in your heart is not irrelevant, is not as relevant to me as what's in your heart. And, and God certainly is not as worried about how you're expressing your heart as, is your heart turned toward Him? Our worshipful heart overflows corporately on Sunday morning. What's happening during the week overflows here. And finally, worshipful hearts are thankful and humble. Worshipful hearts are thankful and humble. 
verses 20 and 21. We're giving thanks, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. It's easy to give thanks sometimes, right? We're all thankful sometimes. Nobody's thankful always, right? Nobody's thankful always. And it is easy to be thankful for some stuff. But the Bible says being thankful, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, it's got a worshipful kind of idea to it there that we're doing it in the name of the Father and the Son. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's so much to be said about this, but but let me just sum up this whole sermon like this. A worshipful heart, all these things, makes us thankful, makes us humble. Is there anything in this world more contradictory than an unthankful Christian? No matter what's happened today, you're not in hell, and you can praise God for that. No matter who's mistreated you or treated you poorly, God loves you, and He proved it by sending His Son to die for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? It makes us thankful. It makes us humble toward others. I alluded to the worship wars earlier. Why do you think that the devil has loved so much to make the biggest church fights and the biggest church splits over the past 50 years in the church in America over personal preferences in worship? I think a reason for that is because the devil wants every one of us to come in here on Sunday and think about us. He would love nothing. He didn't want you to think about him. Nobody wants to think about the devil anyway. And so, I mean, if you, if you do like thinking about the devil, just schedule an appointment. Gina's been here five years. She, she knows how to schedule appointments. Just come see me. Let's talk about why you like the devil so much. But, you know, the reality is he doesn't care. He don't want you to think about him. He wants you to come here and think about you. Because nothing is a wet blanket on the warmth and heat of a worshipful heart before God like self-centeredness. Like a heart that's not thankful to God. Like a heart that's focused on self. I believe the devil wants you to focus on your needs and your wants and what you don't have rather than being thankful and humble and nothing will undermine the worship of a great and mighty and gracious and benevolent and loving God like spoiled, self-centered children. Brothers and sisters, my hope and my prayer is that we will all have worshipful hearts that are thankful and that are humble. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust in Jesus for the first time, I I want to offer an invitation to you today. I believe Jesus is standing with open arms waiting on you to put your faith in Him. If you'll turn from your sins and repentance and Turn to Him in faith. Turn to God in faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe He will save you. And second of all, second of all, you may be a Christian. You may say, Pastor, I just need to pray. I, I just need some time to pray. This altar is open to you. I'd love to talk to you this morning if you need someone to talk to. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together in your name, to sing praises to Jesus together. 
And Lord, I pray that we would draw nearer to one another, that we would examine our own hearts, and that this day would serve as a genuine act of worship unto you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.